Welcome to How to Be a Humane Leader Without Losing Your Job. In this podcast, we dive into compassionate leadership and today's fast-paced business environment. With our experience and insights, we'll help you lead with heart while securing your career. Join us for engaging conversations and practical practical advice to elevate your leadership skills and make a real difference. I'm your host, Chris Olerking, a Fortune 100 IT leader, alongside Roberto Torres, a seasoned startup engineering leader. Today, we're discussing how do you recognize that you are having success as a humane leader? How do you confirm that you are being humane and it's not just an illusion? Hey, Roberto, how you doing? Chris, I'm doing really good. How about you? I'm I'm doing good. It's a little warm here in Tennessee. I know up there uh, in the mountains where you're at, it doesn't get quite so humid. But this morning, uh, we had a dew point of 73 degrees, which means walking the dogs is very sweaty, very hot. So I'm enjoying some air conditioning talking to you. <laughs> oh, great, great, man. So how are you doing in your new job as a humane leader? Are you looking for some signs that you're doing the, the right thing, some reinforcement? Yes, yes. Uh, as we spoke last week, um, I'm in this process of uh, learning for ads, of listening for ads, and just talking one ads. Uh, so, so far, it's been so good. You know, um, I enjoy every day going to work, and uh, I've only been one week in this period of work, but my mind has rush with all the ideas, all the knowledge, everything that I've got. So, so far, yes, indeed, I have enjoyed a lot and I'm still on track of being a human leader. Excellent. I think the excitement level, you know, is, is a key indicator. Granted, this is very early in this current role. Um, you know, when I think about my past roles, kind of evaluating it in the rearview mirror, one of the thing, signs that I thought of being a humane leader, uh, you know, a clear cut sign would be if some of your employees are willing to come to you and ask for help, like, hey, I'm stuck. If they come to you and say the sentence, I need help on this. I think it's very likely that you're being a humane leader in that aspect because they realize that you can help them and they're willing to admit that they need help. Yeah, well, besides that, it, it is not uh, also admitting. It's also that they recognize in you all the experience and, and the solution that you will bring to the table based on the problems that they are. So I think it, it is a um, in, intrinsic motivation that third other um, people, you know, other people will recognize in you and say, hey, Roberto, we have this meeting with this maybe new provider, customer, or something like that. Would you join us? Because your insights are 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 helpful. So yes, yes, indeed. Yeah, especially when it crosses uh, boundaries too. So for example, you know, coming from a very large company, we divided everything, right? The people who worked on Microsoft Exchange did not necessarily work much with the people who worked on SQL and definitely didn't work with the people who worked on Oracle, et cetera, right? And so everybody was was very siloed. And I think in, in a large environment like that, a sign that teams want to reach out to you to collaborate 
So not your direct reports, but now peers, maybe even people senior to you, if they're seeking your insight and asking you to participate in something is also a very good sign that you're building strong relationships that cross the official hierarchy boundaries, right? You know, the official org chart would say, you know, the database people don't necessarily collaborate with the network people that much unless it's a very specific project. But if there's some things going on, like, hey, you know, we'd like your insight on the new AT&T contract, even though that you're in charge of the ERP systems, you know, it, it shows that, hey, they like your insights. They know that you're open-minded to evaluate things and have value, um, you know, in offering your insights into things. Versus if you're not being humane, you won't even know the RFP went went out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And... Um and let me give you an, an, an analogy that might work in this, regardless if it's a startup or a big company. This is like playing chess, you know? In play, when you play chess, you don't focus just in one piece of, of the board. You have to focus on all, the, on, on all the pieces because you might go with the right side and the the um the country you know the uh the guy that you're playing with i guess might do a strike or uh something on the left of the board this is the same if you only stick to your business you know to your staff you might not be helping the other um uh, departments and being a humiliator is to be really aware of all the board all the pieces and when someone asks you, you provide an answer. And when you don't, when they don't, but you see something particular, you have to raise your hand and say, "Hey, man, I'm seeing this. Uh, be aware of these problems, these challenges, uh, or maybe go with this way because you, with a previous experience, you, you have seen it, you have faced these problems, and rather than having a headache, you will provide maybe the medicine, you know, there." aspirin to bring solution to this so i think that is a humane leader in which um it provides uh solutions and and it, it is always on help on mode yes yeah helping helping the others perspective absolutely is is key one other thing I, th I thought of while you were talking about, and, and again, it's big company versus little company, right? So big companies, we have usually very formal performance review processes. And one of those uh, in our company, we had uh, feedback where the boss who's going to be giving you the performance review seeks input from others via an anonymous system that's online. And, and so the people could say whatever they wanted about Chris and, and you know, your boss would typically share it because even though you may not agree, all right, so I'm trying to evaluate my, am I being a humane leader? I want to listen to that feedback and I may completely disagree with it, right? So let's take the worst case scenario. You completely disagree with that feedback, but if you can listen to that feedback and say, look, I think that person is totally wrong but that's how they feel. You got to remember, it's their opinion. And so are there some things you can do as a humane leader? And if you are willing to listen to that feedback that is not positive, 
and try and figure out how you could change whoever that might, you know, whoever's opinion that might have been, you are being a humane leader. Because a humane leader recognizes that opinions about you are just that, opinions. Doesn't mean you have to say, man, that is spot on, they're absolutely right. It means you listen to it and say, why does that person have that perspective? Is there, am I okay with that perspective? Or do I need to try and do something to change their, alter their perspective? So again, using the example of, you know, pitching in and, and trying to help when people are asking you for it. If that person said, hey, every time I try and get a hold of Chris, he's too busy to help me. Well, that may be true. You may be very busy, but how did you convey to the person that you can't help them? You Perhaps the humane leader needs to say, oh, you know what? I was, I was a bit short with this person on the phone and saying I couldn't help. Maybe it's worth it to say, look, here's what I'm working on right now. I've got to finish this because the deadline is tomorrow. But on Monday, we can dig into this. Would that be okay? You know, a humane leader does some negotiation, even when someone's asking you for a favor, right? So officially you don't need to do it, but the humane leader is gonna take that feedback from performance reviews and say, yeah, I probably should have negotiated or communicated that a little bit differently to be more open to help. And I will try and do it a bit differently to try and get more connections with more people. Maybe my way works with 90% of the population I'm working with, but that 10% doesn't like it. So now how do I do it different? And I, I don't always know the right answer to that, but if a humane leader is going to reflect on it and think about it, and will try to do something different. Their opinion may never change, but the humane leader will try and do something to win over that remaining 10%. Yeah, indeed. And I, and I think uh, I totally concur with you. And a humane leader also has to say, uh, as you mentioned, also has to mention, excuse me, to say no. When someone uh, approaches you, maybe, is with a request that it, it is not related to you, you know, that they ask for something in particular, that they have a problem and they say, oh, Roberto, uh, uh, he's, since he's a uh, solutions guy, he, he will solve it. You have to read it and you have to say, as you mentioned, no, because this is my priority, maybe I'll help you later rather than saying yes, 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 because you don't recognize yourself as a humane leader or as a successful leader by saying yes all the time. No, you have, you, as we all have, a certain amount of hours during the day. We cannot go to a store, you know, and say, I'm going to buy four hours to bring it on to the table and work more. No, you have the same hours. So rather than saying yes, 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 you have to say no, make, uh, this is like, uh, I don't know if you know about this, this is like uh, uh, the, um, like, like the sandwich, you know, there is the bread, the ham and the, and the bread. So you, what I think, what you must do is the bread, it is the, um, maybe the positive uh, things to say, and the hem is the negative, but it has to be like this. The bread, it is right now, I, I do help you, but 
the bread that the hemp. I can right now because I'm in this um, project right now in which it takes a lot of my time or my whole time, my full time. And then uh, the ham again, excuse me, the bread and say, but when I finish, I will reach you and we will see if if it's something that I can help you. So I, I don't know. If, yeah, I think I, what you're saying, I believe, is that if the person you're saying no to has um, a positive opinion of you, you're doing mm -hmm. a very humane job of saying no. Right. So in my examples where the feedback was people I said no to were not happy with me. That's that means I'm not being a perfect or a, a really good humane leader. I'm being a maybe better than average if 90 percent of the feedback's positive. But I need to win over that last 10 percent. And what you're expressing is, look, how do you say no? And can you get positive feedback from the people that you've told no because of these other priorities? A humane leader, you'll be able to measure that success. If you think about how many different people are you saying no to, and do they still have a positive opinion of you? Do they still come to you and ask for help? If oh, yeah. you think back and the people, all the people that I said no to, I never hear from them ever again. That's a sign you're not being a humane leader, yeah. right? You're, you're being a jerk <laughs> and, and you need to reflect on that and say, Maybe the answer still has to be no for whatever reason, like you're saying, but you're not doing it in a humane way if they never come back to you. Because sometimes I am sure that those people, that 10% out there that are asking you for help, occasionally it is going to be in your wheelhouse and your lane and stuff you should be working on. So if you're shutting people down and you never hear from them again, that's a sign you are not a humane leader. Yes, and actually also. You had to apply po uh, politics, and when politics fails, you had to be diplomatic when with certain things. And with doing that, rather than being too harsh and say, "Oh man, I cannot do it," and you turn away and you go see the other way, no, you had to apply politics because in the end, people is uh, are going to reach you in the future. Is going to reach you by saying, "Oh my God, I had to reach this guy and, and be nagging," or be willing because in the end we are a team, regardless or or where we are as a company, we are our team. It was you, Pure Honeywell, with thousand of employees, or a startup with less than maybe 10, 20, or 50 people. So in the end, we still had to. Uh, be political and use diplomacy as much as needed when it, when it's going to be needed. Yeah, I think um, you know I'm trying to think of various measures. You know, being a scientist, uh, trying to think in a scientific way of measuring being humane to ensure it's not an illusion. One way you could try and measure is just think about over your course of a day, a course of a week. How many phone calls or how many interactions did you have where you're asking someone to help you versus how many of the interactions are them asking you to help them, whether it's your direct reports, peers, bosses in other areas? I think if you have a greater percentage of people asking you for help, hey, Roberto, can you help me with this versus you asking others to, to get help or do things, 
you're probably leaning towards being a more humane leader. You know, it doesn't mean that it's not the definitive answer, but, you know, when I think back again, reflecting on my long career, I always tried to be offering help way more than I was ever asking for help. I don't remember the ratio kind of thing from a science perspective, but I think if you're leaning towards you, people are contacting you and asking for help way more often than you're calling other people or contacting other people for help, you're probably being a pretty humane leader because people trust you. People see you as someone who can help them be successful and, and they want to interact with you. Yeah, maybe that's why we are in IT, you know, because we are a service and a service area, strategic uh, business partners, uh, well, other business. So yes, and 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 doing that and recognizing yourself on when to say no, when to say yes, when to be uh, coherent with your words and your actions. Because you might say, I could help you, but I don't have time. Well, so please maybe say the opposite. I don't have time, but well, in the end. So, and uh, one thing that uh, also that I think that brings uh, maybe no recognition of you uh, as a leader are how people react uh, with you, with uh, by talking or stupid uh, by sharing knowledge of something that you might not know you know uh, this week someone uh, asked me hey do you think that either we go through the a pad or the bed or the b pad and both were uh, of uh, knowledge that i am not proficient mm-hmm. but they asked and why do they ask? Because they couldn't maybe uh, ask or whatever, but they did ask me. And I said, no, I think we should go with a big pad because it's more prone to achieve uh, our objectives. So in the end, I think when people ask you and you recognize, first of all, that maybe you're not proficient in that uh, uh, knowledge area or, or something, but you provide something with maybe hard data or hard, hard substance. Uh, it is part of this recognition by third, third people to you, no? Right, exactly. It's that humane quality that oh. they're seeking out, right? Is they're seeking out a humane perspective on this domain area of knowledge. And again, you don't need to necessarily be the expert, but sometimes that wisdom of being the humane leader is what they're looking for. Because they're saying, look, the the very binary objectives of evaluating it, it's a toss up. You could go plan A, plan B. Technically, we're looking at it, we can't find any differences. But maybe there's some aspect of it from a, a leadership perspective, the humane perspective, that you need to look at it and say, yeah, there is a reason why we'd go over this way. It's more aligned to some of our other goals that I'm aware of that maybe they're not aware of. Uh, maybe you've had some experiences and uh, and other things where, hey, you know, technically A and B are equal, but solution A has way less downtime, significantly less maintenance efforts. So our on-call team won't get paged as much. 
So to a degree that can be, you know, being a humane leader because you're thinking about the longer term aspect of it. You're thinking about other people. I'm not operations, I'm development, but I'm thinking humanely about the operations guys. I don't want our gals, don't wish them to be paged, you know, in the middle of the night or on their holiday weekends and stuff because something crashed. So sometimes there is some humane thinking uh, in in solution providing because you are trying to meet business objectives, technical objectives, but maybe there's some soft uh, aspects to it, like you know the the patch cycle, or it's more secure, or it's more robust, so it's less likely to to need off-hour support. Those are humane qualities that they're seeking out in you to help with their decision making. Yeah, uh, you know. You know that I'm an analogy guy. You know, I make analogies <laughs> most things. But what you told me right now, it is like uh, you are being part, you're a layer of an onion. You know, an onion has a lot of uh, layers. And just because you are maybe uh, near the core or, or in the middle, you have to think for other people as well because the work that you do reflects on other layers and on other people and the opposite as well, you know, vice versa. But maybe your layer doesn't interact with another uh, uh, with another layer with another people. But in the end, if you could bring something to the table that will ease their life, uh, bring um, a solution and not bring a problem, is something to be recognized and also be, uh, being recognized as a leader is bringing a problem along with a solution because everybody could bring some problems but bringing solutions is what uh, maybe uh, it, it is something of a humane leader. Yes, no, abs absolutely. And the more people are asking you for help, again, we, we mentioned that before, it is very much a sign that people are seeking you out. And that ratio, the more people that are seeking you is more a stronger indication that you're a humane leader and it's not, not an illusion. But you do have to be concerned about the illusion, right? The reflection of self, you know, our own egos, we we tend to always think we are doing things perfectly or or we're trying really hard so we know we're doing our best and i think it it can be challenging sometimes to reflect back and say all right i, I maybe i'm not always being the best you know again back to that kind of performance review feedback be willing as a humane leader to listen to feedback that you disagree with um because your success might be a bit of an illusion. There is the chance that you know you're not being totally humane or maybe not being totally humane to a segment of the the, the company for some reason, right? You know, uh, longstanding arguments you've had with the ERP team when you were the network leader. So now you always have in the back of your mind this kind of problem you have with the ERP team. So as a, a humane leader reflects on those things and thinks back and takes all feedback, whether they agree with it or disagree with it, takes all that feedback and says, look, no matter what, that is Roberto's opinion of Chris. I disagree with the Roberto, but I'm going to reflect on it on, well, why, why would Roberto think that? And, um, 
you know, the more people are seeking you out for help, I think is a strong indicator. But, you know, listen to that feedback and, and take into account that you're not always going to be perfect. The, the, the illusion is if you think you are the perfect humane leader, it is an illusion. Yeah, indeed. And one thing about the uh, the feedback that you mentioned, it is that it doesn't stick to the company or the year that you're living. It should go for many years later on because people will recognize you today and in your future by the way you were a humane leader, not by the the way a a boss screams at other people how how does uh, provide uh, brings a lot of pressure uh, how much a burnout created in another another person it will recognize you through the ages by how do you treat with them uh, how did you treat treat them you know uh, and it could go for many years uh, Maybe the people you used to work uh, with uh, at UOP recognize you today. Maybe they don't uh, be in contact with you anymore, but they will recognize you. They will say, oh, I remember that Chris was an, an excellent leader. He provided not only solutions, but he gave me peace to myself, you know, peace of mind with his leadership. So in the end, the recognition, it doesn't go immediately as you've been uh, at first, but it goes along with all the ages and uh, and everything. Yeah, no, I, I would agree. And I'm sure if you found every single person I ever worked with and every single person that ever reported to me or every single person I reported to, there will be times and feedback that I will disagree with, uh, the, but also agree with. and. The thing to reflect too is you're being this humane leader is reflecting and saying, well, at that time, let's say what was one of my first leadership roles, I only had a certain number of skills. And sometimes you can't, you're not going to be the perfect humane leader right away. I hope the listeners realize it is a journey over time, over much time, and you are going to make mistakes. But do what you can to reflect on that. Say, boy, I wish I wouldn't have uh, dealt with that person that way. So what am I going to do in the future? And I realize that, oh, I could have done that better. And now I'm in a somewhat similar situation. So I'm going to try a different way of approaching it. That's another sign of a humane leader. You're reflecting back. You look at what you did. You recognize that didn't come. The outcome there wasn't the way I wanted it to be. And you try and be better. I, I hope in my mind that when I left, um, I left that I was the best humane leader as much of the time as I could possibly be. And I can sleep at night saying, yeah, there were times I made mistakes, but I reflect on them and I wouldn't do it that same way again. Can't redo the past, but I can sleep at night saying, I know I would always try and be better in the future. And I hope that our, our listeners just keep that in mind. It's just as long as you're on a continuous improvement path, making mistakes is okay. Just own up to them, recognize it was a mistake, try and move forward, and that makes a good humane leader. Yes, yes. Learn from them, learn uh, wise from them, and move on. Great, great. So with this, uh, Chris, I think we to do the wrap-up. Absolutely. Well, thanks for joining us for another episode of How to Be a Humane Leader Without Losing Your Job. 
We hope our insights help you become a smarter and more strategic leader. Apply today's lessons to see a positive impact on your team and career. Catch all our episodes on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Anchor, and YouTube. Join us next week when we discuss something trendy in the leadership world. Until then, stay humane and stay successful. See you later, Roberto. Bye-bye.